because that's what we we need to do is regenerate soil on mass scale. Um, it's great to do it in your backyard, but now it's starting to get to that stage where we do need to do it on a bigger scale. It needs to take place in our health, in our wellness, in our sovereignty, our personal in our personal lives. And I think the last time we spoke, you said that, and it stuck with me. It was like regenerative health and regenerative farming you know and then there's like all the other versions of where regeneration can come in for me what was like so clear from like day one was seeing like just even the smallest like glimmer of hope of this water being able to help us all with more of a chemical free approach in any type of farming and as soon as i saw that it was just like that was on it was like a no-brainer for me to just go for it and learn along the way welcome back to another episode everyone thank you for sharing some of your time with us my name is alex corey and i'm really looking forward to today's conversation this is a 23 year old firecracker aj olson out of western australia we met through our uh, mutual water groups as water connects all things and we both have a a vision and a passion for regeneration, for human health, for ecosystems. He works in centropics and agroforestry, and he'll explain what that is. He's one of those people whose vision for the future and what is possible whenever you just do something consistently in his realm that will be uh, rebuilding ecosystems and building food almost scares you a little bit with the breadth that can be accomplished. And that's what I absolutely loved about this conversation. Goes in all sorts of directions, but I'm sure you'll find an angle that speaks directly to you, multiple that spoke directly to me. Enjoy this conversation with AJ Olson, founder of Restructured Water Regeneration Australia. Last time we chatted, I never, I don't think I got your full origin story, so to speak. So we met over um, Telegram, shared a similar uh, water group growing with ionized and electrolyzed water. And yeah. you poked me after, I mean, we had we had been chatting for a little bit um, yeah, because I put a lot of microgreens information in there. And then I did a uh, growing with ionized water presentation for my water group. And you're like, let's mm-hmm. chat. So yeah. um, how did you come to, can you tell us what your um, your specific focus is in agriculture and how you found the water and the origin story of your interest in both of those areas. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel as if like, you know, it all really started with me coming from that experience, uh, sorry, coming from that background of, you know, regenerative farming, agriculture, and just having that passion for you know growing food regenerating soil and that's where really everything started and then i suppose for me what was like so clear from like day one was seeing like just even the smallest like glimmer of hope of this water being able to help us all with more of a chemical free approach in any type of farming and as soon as i saw that it was just like that was on it was like a no-brainer for me to just go for it and learn along the way and like it really for me spoke out to me in so many ways around like just the potential of how what you can do with water and as I started to look into it it just really was such a big game changer for everything I was doing and it was just uh, it was just 
mind-blowing for me. And I suppose, you know, what I suppose like my main focus in agriculture at the moment, uh, I don't have property at the moment myself, but when I am working in that space, I'm doing a lot of uh, syntropics or agroforestry, as some people know it, uh, and just doing a lot of that regenerative. Could you explain uh, a little bit more about syntropics or agroforestry for anyone who doesn't know what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for people that don't know a little bit about that, it's really a simple approach to farming where you're imitating what it's like to grow food within a rainforest. So basically setting up a system of, you know, sort of lineal tree rows, whether it be in a straight line or more of a sort of a food forest sort of style design, which is sort of bringing in the permaculture sort of techniques. But normally it's straight tree rows with horticultural beds in between the tree rows and then basically using different levels of trees and light within the system and cover cropping and then essentially you're growing your own mulch that essentially then goes back into the ground to build carbon, soil nutrients, micronutrients, micro, like mycelium, um, bacteria, biology, everything. So you're you're basically building a system that's really just everything in the one area and then there's no inputs. So it's only in the first initial setup is when you bring your inputs in and then after that it's a very simple approach of just chop and drop for all of your mulch and then bringing in any crop that you actually want to grow within that system. And then as that system gets older, you're just managing it and then putting plants in in terms of whatever you want to be growing in those horticulture beds. And, and that is really, in essence, you're just imitating what normally naturally happens within a rainforest. Yes. So which normally could take, you know, within a rainforest, that sort of cycle that does happen where, you know, leaves fall down onto the ground, and then slowly builds up topsoil, that cycle of about 100 years to build up even just a foot of so uh, topsoil can happen within 10 years of a syntropic food forest. So whenever you say all that, it sounds real close to my version of food forest or permaculture, but definitely yeah, not sure. focusing on the tropical. So if there's one thing that I always wish I had was a more subtropical environment to play in, just because the abundance of... Yeah fruit, citrus, and just um, carbohydrates tends to increase. So that's the one thing that I'm missing. I'm zone 6B. You might not use zone systems the same way. Oh, we also forgot to mention, where are you in Australia? <laughs> yes, I'm on the Sunshine Coast here in Queensland, in Australia. Yeah. So for anyone that knows this little spot, it's such a great little corner of the earth uh, right here in Coolum Beach as well at the moment. That's beautiful. So, the magic of water is it connects everyone. So yeah, having yeah. having regenerative farming conversations tied in by water on the polar opposite sides of the earth. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 That's it. How did you, so you said you've been in regenerative farming for, for a bit. Did you have that growing up? Uh, kind of through family. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my great grandpa being a farmer his whole life, um, and being exposed to that from a young age, but didn't it didn't really ignite within me until I was probably about you know early teen teenage years, uh, and then I sort of started to dive into permaculture. That's where everything started, understanding sort of this the world of permaculture. Um, I, I didn't do any real courses or anything. I sort of did a few things here and there, but I mo mostly just went out to people's properties and learned it on the on the job. 
Um, but then, yeah, I, I got into sort of more of that horticultural sort of market garden stuff, um, which for me, that was like a big eye opener because I, I just wanted to learn to grow food, you know, and that was like my, my thing. I was like, hey, how do we actually produce food? And that's the last sort of few years of what I've been doing um, on and off for different people is helping them to manage systems and then to grow food to take to market. Yes. And the last sort of three to four years, we've been doing that in a regenerative approach, mixing in things like syntropics and agroforestry, permaculture. Uh, we've played with rural culture as well, mm -hmm. which is where you're burying, burying lots of like, um, so carbon. So it could be any form of carbon, usually logs, burying that in the ground and then building beds over that. And that that's a that's another sort of fun thing you can do is just putting heaps of logs in the ground. Yes. And you just adding you know so much life to that soil in a very short amount of time uh and you just watch it everything just thrives and it just goes off you, you remember a an experience or a feeling or a moment in time where it hits you and you're just like i'm gonna do this this is mm. this is what calls to me do you remember a specific point or something that stands out more than another that you had that mm. yeah i feel um like I, the it was probably the first time i saw like a proper functioning like syntropic system yeah. uh or just like because i've never seen a, an older system than five years before and i saw one which was six years old and then um which is still young but it was so established it was only a small system on a small like one acre property so they can manage it really well and when i went in there you could just, there's like this feeling that you get. I was like barefoot walking through the garden uh, and their system. And it was like, everything was just communicating. You could just feel it. Like if you're really sensing into that, it's just like, you know, every, every plant is just commu in communication with each other. That mycelium network is running through everything. Uh, and it's, it's functioning as it's meant to. And you just walked in there and you're just looking, okay, there's the eucalyptus trees up there. That's adding the, bringing the mulch back in this, this, to the soil. There's the logs and the wood chip in the ground, adding carbon, building soil, adding nutrients to the, to every, to all the plants that are growing in the rows. There's like the pumpkin vines running wild, the sugar cane. Like it was, it was just so much inspiration for me to just go, this is what you can do on such a small piece of land. Imagine this blown up times a thousand right. and then and then actually doing that on scale what does that look like and how do we re regenerate soil on scale and, and that's where the passion really came from for for really helping other growers um when i'm talking to them not only about the water but also sort of edging them a little bit sort of slowly to look into a more of a regenerative approach if they're not there yet already yes that was wonderful yeah and that for me was just like seeing that sort of small system and how well that functioned that was a massive inspiration when i first learned what is actually happening within that uh like within that sort of just relationship between the person who owns that property mm -hmm. and then actually you know the the nature that is taking place the, the relationships that are taking place and all you need to do is spend a couple days like obviously live there you know, when you're living there, you see it all the time. But if you're a new person coming into the world, you go spend a couple of days just working there or just watching and you just see this sort of beautiful like harmony that takes place within all of that.
And it's just such an amazing relationship, you know, between the animals, the insects, the birds, like the bees, the plants, mm. and, and just to watch that system go from the morning to the afternoon every single day. It's like everything is changing rapidly right before your eyes. Right. And it's it's real. It's like it's actually solid, tangible, something you can touch and feel and sense, and you can see it evolving slowly. What do and you what define you as regenerative? Because that's a it's one of the buzzwords now, and I I yeah. love that people are using it. But everyone seems to have their own definition. So what when you say regenerative agriculture, what do you mean? It's a good question because it is it is definitely a buzzword at the moment. So for me, it's something I have contemplated a bit in talking to regenerative growers here in Australia who are doing you know, big scale uh, cattle regeneration and, uh, you know, cotton regeneration or wheat or whatever it is. It's it's interesting to see their approach as well and what they talk about. And I feel like mine has been influenced a bit by them because that's what we, we need to do is regenerate soil on mass scale. Um, it's great to do it in your backyard, but now it's starting to get to that stage where we do need to do it on a bigger scale. And I think that for me is 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 a part of what it means is you know regenerative farming is no longer just needed in certain areas now it's regeneration needs to take place you know in agriculture in permaculture in cropping you know what whatever that agriculture thing is that you're doing regeneration needs to take place there it needs to take place in our health in our wellness in our sovereignty our personal life in our personal lives and i think the last time we spoke you said that and it stuck with me it was like regenerative health and regenerative farming yeah. you know and then there's like all the other versions of where regeneration can come in i think if we as a people on this planet move into a more regenerative way of living and thinking and and I think that's what regeneration for me really, as a, as I start to talk about it, is is it's a regenerative way of thinking. Yeah. And if you put that concept into uh, sort of action, that's when you start to see tangible change because you're you're coming in with a regenerative approach, and your approach is so. I suppose as an example, not in agriculture, not going in so and basically just taking, 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 which is the mm. standard approach where you're constantly just taking from the land, but you're going in with the idea of I'm going to be taking a certain amount from the land, but then leaving that land alone for a certain amount of time. And this is where rotational, if you're doing animals, rotational grazing can come in or, or whatever the thing you're doing, adding to the soil, taking some, leaving some for nature, and then regenerating that that soil at the same time through maybe cover cropping or you know having animals there. So rather than that taking taking stripping back, you know that erosion that takes place, spraying chemicals, all of those sort of things, you move into more of a regenerative approach where you don't use chemicals, where you don't you know you're not spraying anything, you're not just putting cattle there and then they strip the grass to you know a couple centimeters down uh you know that that sort of way of thinking where everything that you do uh within agriculture or just live it your own health and living has that sort of concept behind it 
And it's for me, then the next sort of stage of that is being sure that we're doing that, regenerating that soil, regenerating our health and our wellness and our way of thinking for the, the generations to come. Yeah. And that's where I move into, I suppose, why, like why I actually started this journey is because it is for the next seven generations. And, and it's that indigenous way of thinking that I talk about a lot within what I do and what I talk about when I, when I share this. Uh, and for me, that indigenous way of thinking, I feel is the regenerative way yeah. and the regenerative journey. Right. It, it's not a new concept. It's a new concept to our paradigm and our, the current agricultural and just way of living in, in a just mm. highly consumeristic state, but it's, uh, yeah. it's not new. And I like the, um, the waters tagline of return to origin, because it's mimicking what you said, like, this isn't a new concept, guys, we are going back to the way that people who have relied and stewarded the land for generations used to treat it. But it only mm-hmm. took 100 years to degrade it as quickly as we have with industrial yeah. agriculture. So we're just simply returning back to older methods and probably just accelerating the regeneration. At this point, we need to probably put more back in way more back in than we take out because that topsoil, like you said, depletes so quickly and it takes so long to rebuild that layer. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Could you, I absolutely love your, your business name. Could you uh, explain your uh, water business and how you came to find ionized and electrolyzed water? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for, people that don't know yet restructured water regeneration is the business that's the sort of the vessel that i gave everything i suppose because uh, it needed something to take it to where it needs to go uh and what what it's about is using ionized electrolyzed reduced water um to assist farmers people businesses and any health conscious individuals to help them to regenerate whatever they're doing within their lives. So when I'm working with farmers, it's helping them to get out of that sort of chemical, heavy, heavy like chemical dominance within their practices. If they're more mainstream, if they're more of an organic farm, uh, and I do work a lot with like organic sort of, you know, no chemical uh, sort of properties and people that just don't want to do it, but they have no other solution, then this is the solution that I present. and. For me, I go in with more of a, you know, let's just start to test things, trial things, because it's still very early. Yeah, we, we are getting a lot of uh, case data and evidence. And for me, that that is what I'm, that's what I'm, where I'm at within my business. It's yeah. like, I'm really wanting to share this water, this technology, this science with people and show them that there's potential here and there's power within water to help us not rely on chemicals so much and move we don't actually need to use chemicals uh it's it's actually a no-brainer once you have the right education and you have those things there for those those farmers and those business owners Mm -hmm. it's like you give that to them you give them all the right things then they're actually going to be more inclined to actually try it and use it and try a different way especially if you if you've got social proof and they can see that and it shows that it works. Uh, so within restructured water generation, it's really about helping yeah, businesses and farmers and people just move away from that chemical dominance 
to move into more of a regenerative approach. And I feel for me, when I discovered it, so I discovered it about in January last year and it took about four months for me to really study this water, the science and the business to really get on my feet and going. I was in that four months, it really just looked like doing a lot of research, ringing a lot of farmers and people and just sort of testing the waters, trying to get meetings with them to show them the potential of everything that mm -hmm. that is here. And uh, it was pretty amazing how it all started. I remember like the day I'd been introduced to it, introduced before I brought my machine and had the sort of like final meeting that made everything click for me. It was like I was introduced to the water like three weeks prior um, from a friend of mine and I was already looking at starting like a, uh, a spring water company. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I was using a local spring on a property yeah. I was working at and I was like wanting to utilize that. And my friend was like, you should try this water. And I was like, okay, cool. I tried it. Nothing significant happened straight away. But then she she didn't really push it on me at all. She just sort of, I just was asking her questions because I was very curious about the ionizers and that technology and what it was doing. And then she's like, I'm going to get you on a call with my friends. And that's when we had that meeting. And She's like, my friends are down south. They have a big lemon myrtle plantation. If you know what lemon myrtle is, it's just like a native um, native tree here, which is beautiful scent. You can use it for medicinal stuff, mm -hmm. tea, essential oils, that sort of stuff. And um, she told me that they had used the electrolyzed reduced water to treat a disease within the lemon myrtle called lemon myrtle rust. And I was like, what do you, what, I, the first thing I said, I was like, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> right. You know, I was like, what do you mean you use water to treat lemon myrtle rust? I was like, that's unheard of. Like that is, it's impossible. You know what I mean? Like in my head, I was like, that is just like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and she said that she's like, all right, I'm going to get you with it. I had all these questions. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's their thing. And she's like, all right, I'll get you on a call. And I, so we had the call and they basically introduced me to like the Enagic business model, the Kanga machines, um, electrolyzed reduced water, and then how it actually can be used. At the end of the call, they actually started to talk about how they used it in the lemon myrtle and the farming and all the things they've seen from the cannabis industry to uh, the lemon myrtle that they treated and then a few other sort of, yeah, microgreens was one of the things like, mm -hmm. they talked about and a few other things as well. And I was like, yeah. after that call, it was like soon as they sort of showed me everything, it was like after that call, I was just sold. Like I, I didn't – it's not like it's not like they sold me anything at all. It was just like they just – it was such a no-brainer for me at the time. Like, yeah. you know, because I was working on a, like a 23-acre property with like a 15-year-old like fruit orchard and doing all this like syntropics and playing around, I was just in that state of just ready to do something like this. Yeah. And – it just came in and it was just so simple to make that decision to be like, this is exactly what I've been looking for and what everybody needs to know about in in, in regards to using electrolyzed reduced water in farming. And I was like, okay, cool. Get me my, like, I'll, I'll get my machine. So it took a while to get my machine, but I got uh -huh. there. And I was just like, get the machine and just go for it. And it's been a year and four months and it's it's like the progression we've made from then to now has just been like it's just been crazy. Yeah. And and it really 
has it's been testing it's been hard it's not like definitely not easy mm-hmm. to go on a journey like this because especially here in australia as far as i know there's not another single person utilizing this water within agribusiness or commercial farming or agriculture and and i looked at quite i looked all over the country and i couldn't find yeah. one other doing it i see i saw some stuff from like years and years ago people trying it and just sort of giving it a go but not using anagix machines and the results weren't that sort of there weren't there wasn't a lot of hard evidence yeah. there to sort of support what i was looking for um but yeah it, it very it sort of very much for me just felt like this is the path that i need to go down because i know that's exactly where i need where it's going to get me to sort of where i need to be yeah. you know? do you remember and, what they used for the disease i'm curious now what did they use to treat the rust oh oh yes so they use the a protocol of like the 11.5 and the yeah. 2.5 from the machine. Interesting. Okay. For anyone who doesn't know, the ionizers we use, um, either the commercial units, which are suited for more agricultural purposes, or the home units have a 2.5 hypochlorous acid, HOCl, which is a very potent non-toxic um, free chlorine disinfection agent. And the 11.5 is the other end of that spectrum, which is a potent emulsifier with a ton of free molecular hydrogen and one of the most common protocols um, for i didn't know it was used for rust but even for living things for as a fungicide herbicide pesticide i guess that would be a fungicide. Yes. yeah um yeah is cycling those two is, yeah rust is a, a fungal disease yes that's right i forget that <clears throat> yeah. interesting yeah. that's it and that's what people tend to overlook it, it and why agriculture, in my opinion, is is the new frontier for ionized water because when you can control just the building blocks of well of water, but if you have access to everything that you would need that another product is going to attempt to solve for you, and you can just push a button for free, free chlorine or for molecular hydrogen. Um, it changes the entire paradigm that I had to work under because we got it from microgreens. I didn't know about the product or drinking it. Like I didn't come to it from drinking. I came to it from microgreens. And when Justin, my business partner bought, I was like, what did you buy? What are we doing? (laughs) And uh, we just started using it in in the integration and using a 6.0 for main watering and tapering it with 8.5 a little bit to, to bring the pH up. And we just didn't buy anything else ever. Like usually you buy xerotol or hydrogen peroxide or um, if you're really strict bleach just for disinfection or anything. Microgreens are a little safer just because they grow so quickly. But if something happens, you have to treat it within hours or you lose the entire crop. So we would just like spray 2.5 straight on like Mm -hmm. an overgrowth of mold with peas that took over and it would kill it within, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute and we just rinse it off water and it's like nothing happened. It was so weird. And I don't think, like you said, this is a brand new uh, concept in agriculture is just treating everything with water first. And then maybe if, uh, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to use some of the harsher stuff, but um, it's so new. It's hard to figure out even how to, how to start your experiments. 
I, it's hard to think about what trials to run because if you look on PubMed, plenty of, or that's the US National Library of Medicine. I'm sure there's, there's an Australian equivalent. But if you look on the like open source cataloged literature, there's a lot of data on molecular hydrogen for human health and electrolyzed reduced water. But for agriculture, there's maybe like 10 to 30 things with people just starting to play with it. But all the mechanisms are so new. They're guessing. They're like, we know molecular hydrogen does this. And we think that it buffers salinity or increases drought tolerance the same way that it would us for our antioxidant systems. But I mean, they're just guessing at mechanisms because it is such a new playground. That's the exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's when I was first researching it, like, you know, I was like, okay, what, what do you actually have to look up? You know, I was like, right. what, what right. is there to look up? Because it's like, what, what words do you use to look at, you know, to look at research that's there. And um, the best thing I was like finding was like search up electrolyzed reduced water in agriculture. And, and then I found quite a bit of stuff, but again, it's, that's exactly it. It's, it's stuff from years ago. And there really hasn't been a whole heap come out since. Right. Uh, it's it's like they sort of did a lot of research on this. Like it felt around like five to 10 years ago mm -hmm. and then it just stopped. And there's like, there's a few things that I've seen from like 2020, 2021, but there's like, there's probably people out there now, I would say because of the popularity, it's starting to get back into the spotlight and it's starting to grow a bit more and more and more people are talking about it. So I'd say I'm hoping there's some people out there now like doing more research yeah. on that that's actually like, you know, cited, like peer-reviewed, like yes. properly done, um, you know, and and then we can actually have some solid like scientific stuff. And, and that was one of my intentions with starting this business as well was when I'm in a position to fund my own research, mm -hmm. I'm going to get that done here in Australia. And we're going to get that done in a glass house environment where we can test things, A and B tests, all, all sorts of different studies and trials within, within plants and go, okay, is the 2.5 effective uh, at killing off fungal-based diseases yeah. within this plant, this plant, this plant, this plant? And then the next test, okay, is the 11.5 effective at, you know, really breaking down the cells of that fungal disease in that right. plant you know and acting as like a bit of a emulsifier for the disease of that rust or that you know eucalyptus spot or whatever it is yeah you know and, and and it's that sort of stuff that i was like looking at getting done but it's like that some of those studies can cost anywhere from five to ten to ten oh yeah and this is why whenever people in general whenever you're just tossing around interesting data um yeah, studies cost a lot of money to be done properly. Yeah. So someone has to, you know, if no one's going to make money on it. So most of the studies are pharmaceutical funded just because they're the ones who have the money. And if yeah. you're doing it off of like pure science, pure research and curiosity, yeah, it costs a lot of money to just do one thing. During my the agriculture presentation that I was mentioning, uh, ATS Labs, just there's a large cannabis group in the US that's using uh, electrolyzed reduced water. And they they had the... Uh, 2.5 hypochlorous acid tested against five major pathogens, um, lab setting, ATS labs. And it was, you know, hard to read through because it's, it's a real test. Like it's yeah. not easily read, but it was basically, they, they did, um, straight out of the machine 2.5 against, was it staff 
MRSA, so mm-hmm. methicillin-resistant staph, E. coli, um, a type of pneumonia. There are five major ones in a bovine fecal sample, so just contaminated produce, um, compost, and 30 seconds on all of them. 99.999% reduction, 30 seconds. Like it is, and you can just push a button and that comes out at full concentration. Their entire business models, like Briotech, who are diluting this down, hypochlorous acid, to 0.04% and selling a gallon of that for 20 bucks. And we spit it out in, at full concentration. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I know that study, hey, <laughs> I, I've got it as well. And it's just like, when I, when I got that study, like it gave me so much more confidence. Right. I got right. it like sometime last year. And I remember when I got it, I blasted it to all the farmers that I was talking to at the time. And now all like, oh, there's something here. And I was like, How much yes. money would this save you if you didn't have to yeah. s- spend 200 bucks a pop on concentrated disinfectants or yeah. chlorine bomb everything after a harvest or all the things that that cash crops and the i think the future is just the cash crops that's maybe why there has been a lull in the research is the the people who have the money to spend on these things are the big growers doing cash crops like uh, hemp and cannabis in the US or microgreens has taken like an accelerated boom in the US so a ton of microgreen growers and those are cash intensive very profitable crops um, but if you're working under such, you know, if you're trying to maximize yields and things like any other yeah. grower, you're probably stressing the conditions a little bit. Like it's not quite centropic or agroforestry or permaculture where you're letting things happen as they would naturally and letting yeah. the ecosystems manage themselves. Usually when people are doing the cash crops, they're concentrating as much density as possible. And then you get the more stress and everything, all your problems get magnified. And that's where you need the magnified solutions. So those are probably the people who are going to start funding the research for all of the, uh, the water studies that we're, we're going to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, and, and, and that, that is the, I suppose the essence of, you know, why it's so important that I, we, you know, we all who are working with this in this now, it's like, we start getting this information out there. Yeah. We start sharing it with the right people and and by working together in that space well then you start to you know you start to sort of build a bit of a sort of it's like mycelium you build that sort of network right and eventually everybody's starting to talk share it there's always like right now as i'm speaking there's things happening in the background constantly you know and things are in motion i i don't know who's out there talking about what i've shared with them but I've planted the seeds and I've, some of those people have planted the seeds years ago, like, you know, or not years ago, but like when I, like a year when I first started this business and they could be still out there, you know, talking about it, talking to other people, you know, starting to just like, you know, that seeds maybe finally only just now growing. Like you never know, like people operate at different times at different paces and maybe they, maybe they have, something that they've come across within their business and they're like, I don't know what to do. And then something pops into their head and they're like, oh, there's that guy that told me about this thing like a year ago. Yeah. You don't forget the, uh, the problem solvers, those, yeah. those things embed in your consciousness. And whenever you yeah. come into, I have people reach out from like, I texted them maybe once six months ago and it was something interesting about agriculture it tends to stick and they ran, yeah. run into an issue and they're like, did you mention, I'll just get a random text, no context. Do I remember you saying this about 
yeah. about agriculture and be like, hi to you too. Nice to see. Yes, I did. Say that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's important. I mean, it, it is the, the machines basically are just the ultimate problem solving tool, like 80% yeah. across the board, 80% uh, blanket problem solving. Like, let's see if we can do it with this first before we get extremely mm. specific or or niched and I'm, there's an application for everything, but that's what I love about them. It's, I didn't understand having access to the fundamentals of, of hydrogen, oxygen, mm. chlorine, and, and salt would impact so much, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when you, I suppose when you take a product that, you know, I suppose initially, you know, a lot of people come in and they have a bit of skepticism, whether or not they brought like, I still had skepticism for a while. Sure. Uh, it, when I even after I bought my machine, and uh, that for me was just because I, I had not seen it with my own eyes yet. And but as I started to experience it and see it, it was like that's when things just started dropping and confirming. And it made that for me, it made that like that drive to to not really push, but just share and just get this out there more and help more people to get behind this and go. You know, we I, I'm here to be of service to you, help you to save money, to move into more of a chemical-free approach. And, and and it really, like, it was something that cemented with me. It was, like, when I started to see things, like, that were tangible and real and just, like, start to unfold and actually, like, happen. And then that so it sort of all starts to happen at once. Uh, and recently, a couple of weeks ago, I set up a farm up north uh, who's the largest sunflower grower here in Queensland. And setting up that machine for me was a huge milestone because he's our first commercial Australian-based farmer that's utilising electrolyzed reduced water in agribusiness yeah. and farming. And since then, there's been probably 20 times yeah, I mean, I'm always talking to him anyway, and he's always mm -hmm. asking me questions, especially right. more now than ever. Yep. But there's probably been 20 times where, from the, our conversations with me and the farmer up up north, and then there's been employees that he has with, within his uh, industry that have also reached out to me and asked me questions about the water and how they can, because they do different things within his yeah. business. And they're like, well, how about, can I use the water for this? And they've rang me and I've gone, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. You know, because they don't want to use bleach. You know, they don't want to use these chemicals. So they're like, can we use the water for this? And I'm like, yes. So now they've got the machine. Well, it means that they can actually do it. So all of a sudden, we've got a huge business um, here in Australia and Queensland where their whole organization employees, you know, the owner as well, the farmer, you know, they're all moving to away from chemicals because they never wanted to spray in the first place. Right. That's been his, he's been sort of a bit like that always anyway. He's never wanted to spray. And now he's not only using it for, uh, you know, storing the sunflowers in the water, but, you know, he's mm. using it for a whole range of other things as well. And he's, he's testing things. He's you know, getting a lot of like data and evidence happening and it's affecting everyone around him within his organization and his business and i'm just watching that and i'm just like that's like a, a freight train that's just like a runaway train that's awesome that's yeah you yeah. can see the ripple and you can yeah. usually see it there's like a level and i had the same thing when i was with the microgreens and with um 
with just the business in general, where you can tell the skepticism and then you'll see people playing with things and doing their own self-analysis and self-experimentation. And you'll see their eyes light up like, oh, I didn't grasp yeah. the magnitude of this. Just be especially with agriculture, we we know pH is important. And like I didn't really question it. You just accept that it's a variable or it's just a number you have to maintain, but you don't really think about why until you can start playing with it instead of just dumping calcium forms or magnesium, instead of tweaking minerals, instead of directly playing with like hydrogen and oxygen levels, then light bulbs start going off. Like you said, people get curious and they're like, I wonder if I can do this. And usually the answer is yes. You just have to find out specifically how, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you got the raw power and the, I love watching the, um, just the childlike curiosity spark within people and the mad scientists yeah. come out. Yeah. 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 It's the best. Cause I just, I just get all over it and they're just like, yeah, this makes so much sense. It's not like you have to pay for it. Like you, you paid for it. You have this unlimited on tap. Most people are dissuaded from experiments because a, it's going to cost time. And if you're on a production schedule and usually the experiments themselves cost money because you have to buy things. If you already have it, there's, there's no reason. It's just like, go buck wild. Time is your only limiting factor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, you're, you're young, right? You're like 23. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah. 23. Oh man. If I had that 10 years, well, that's exactly when I took off farming. If I had been exposed to like the business model at the mm. same time, when I was learning aquaponics and hydroponics and, and all of yeah. that, that would have been so different. Hindsight's always 2020, 20, obviously. But what I'm saying is what you're going to see in 10 years, by the time you're my age is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. What you'll be uh, a part yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've just like that vision of what that actually looks like. It's so like, for me, it's so crystal clear, but I, you know, at the same time, it's like, it's going to be so much more beyond that. I can even comprehend right now. Like I know where I want to be. I can feel it. I'm doing as much as I can every day to get right. there. And that, that's, that's how I have been able to achieve so much in such a small amount of time is because I've, I came in with my why and my vision. I just followed that and I stuck to that. And I was like, I wholeheartedly believe before I've even seen the, the actual physical evidence. And I remember like someone within our organization in one of my, I don't know, one of my uplines teams yeah. said this to me. She's like, I did a call for her, like a group, one of her groups or something. And um, was just talking about other business related things. And she, she said something just as we were jumping on the call to me and she's like, I remember when you first started the business and you came in and you were just sort of like learning, figuring it out, talking about agriculture, talking about this. She's like, from day one, you've constantly just had this like undeniable, like just belief in an agic, the product, the water, you know, how it's used in agriculture, everything. And before you even had like actually tested anything and had any like, uh, I suppose, evidence to sort of prove your point. She's like, you just believed. And that's what she said to me. She's like, you fully just believed in everything that that was here and what you've been presented with. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm not going to go into this if I don't believe it. You know, and I was like, I was fully in from day one. And that for me 
was that that for me was like what has driven me even to this point today even though i still had a little bit of skepticism about everything but that's just natural because i hadn't seen everything but i still fully believed in everything that i was doing within my business and what i was working towards and why i was starting this and the vision and and just sort of going you know this is so achievable but, and I don't know how it's actually going to happen, mm-hmm. but I know that we can get there. And I remember I set a goal. I set a goal like early on within my business. I was like, I want to see 500 to 1,000 farms use, utilize this water in the next sort of two to three years. Now, I've tweaked that recently to I want to work with 100 farms a year mm-hmm. and get them to utilize this water because I realized that was such a like – huge goal (laughs) and i was like that's kind of like i think it's achievable once i've got momentum going but let me get the momentum going first that's a decade goal yeah yeah yeah. that's like a decade goal yeah you know 500 to a thousand farms australia wide worldwide utilizing this water within what they're doing uh because i was like i realized how slowly farmers think and how slowly farmers actually like seasons things and i was like yeah, it's it's seasons. It's literally like they do take years sometimes to get to that stage. <laughs> do you so, remember when we spoke last? What you said it it imprinted in my consciousness permanently because uh, it it reignited my um, my enthusiasm when you said it. Whenever you first discovered the business model, do you remember what you said on our last call about your your success when you first learned how the business model worked? Ah. Uh, I remember one line and you basically said, if I just do this consistently for 10 years, my success is inevitable. It was the word inevitable that stuck where I'm just like, you're totally right. Consistency trumps everything. So if, if anyone gets into this and everyone always gets disheartened, um, in the the business side of it, because business is difficult and people are weird and sales is tricky. Um, but if you do it, your success is inevitable. You have the community support, you have leverage, like what you're building towards is so monumental, will impact ecology, human health, um, generational finances on your side for for a long time. Um, it is, I can't think of anything with that return that also regenerates soil, like all of the other aspects. And it just happens to have the best business model behind it. It's global. Uh, would you mind telling that about your um, your plans for India? Because that stuck too last time we spoke. Or your your vision for your trip, if you're still doing that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I I definitely, I, I remember that when we spoke about that actually. So, but that, that, that it is true. Yeah. Um, what you're saying is like, if you do, decide to do something like this and you just stick to it and you're consistent and you do something over nothing every single day, you are going to be successful. Even if it's 20 minutes right. of anything you're doing a day, you are going to be better than 95% of anybody else. And that success that you're looking for is going to happen. It's just like, it's such a given fact that that's the biggest thing we see. we in our culture and our society in our people on this planet right now, we all are great starters and great, you know, we start something and we're great at doing that. But the finishers, 
and getting to that goal of just like every single day you start something you keep working towards that and then you get to that goal that you've set there's there's only very few people left you know right at the end where they've actually achieved that goal and got to that vision and and even after that point because no one really talks about after that point what happens right. everyone sort of thinks about this fairy land where you're sort of doing nothing it's like no that's not really true it's like you've reached your vision yes you've created your dream life but there's still more work to do right. there's something there's always something else there's maybe your your vision your purpose on this planet shifts into something else and that's where the vision for india and this humanitarian work sort of came in and i'll talk i'll talk to that now so for me when i started the business a big vision of mine was working with third world countries and people in need to get them clean water. And for me, it was such a strong like vision. I had it like literally on that meeting with my friends on that Zoom call where I was like, that's a potential where I could be working with charities and fundraisers uh, and, you know, doing a bit of humanitarian work to you know, assist in basically getting clean drinking water to the people in need. And by having access to these machines, it makes it so much easier because you've literally got a product that you can take, install, have it set up, and then have it owned and managed by a family or a person within that community that can look after it and maintain it long-term for the benefit of a small village. So if you go to an island country that maybe is really only relying on solar, um, you know, solar power. They don't have a lot of electricity. They don't have clean drinking water. They just don't have what we have here in the West. And you go and set up something like that off grid with a solar panel for, you know, a village of 300 people, you know, set up two machines within that village. That Those two machines is going to be enough for that whole village to utilize with a pre-filter and then have go through the machine and have some of the best water on the planet on tap endlessly. And to me, when I learned that, and I, I sort of really come to sort of discover that I was just like, wow, the potential there is endless then. And then India, the India trip popped in just a couple months ago. Uh, and that's where I basically got the opportunity coming up in August of this year to go to India to go set up a uh, syntropic agroforestry system and be a part of the setup while also teaching the Indians, the local Indians in that area, how to uh, farms in a syntropic uh, agroforestry way, in a regenerative way. So not only are we teaching the people there how to do that, it's South India, so it's tropical as well, uh, but we're going to be using all Indian plants mm-hmm. with the addition of some other things but mostly using mostly Indian like native plants and uh, basically going in there and setting up a system to assist with the feeding of around 15,000 people every single day, because what's attached to that land is an ashram. And that ashram has about 15,000 people come through there every single day. And the, the goal was for them to set up a system where they could feed that many people out of what they're growing on that land. And, and, and so the scale is huge, yeah. but it's going to be run 
by the volunteers and the people that live at the ashram and it's all devotion it's all devotional work service uh you know serving others and that that is beautiful because what happens at the ashram is you know meditation retreats yoga retreats this deep this deep spiritual work this deep sort of unity and bringing people together and india is that mother country you know and so to have an opportunity like that to go over there to set up a system like that and not only by going there while obviously being myself and talking water all the time well it's coming with me naturally so integrating the water into all of that and not only is this ashram uh you know going to be setting up this system or i i have this vision of basically going in there working with some of the philanthropists uh that have some of the money that do fund a lot of what the ashram does mm -hmm. because they have universities and schools and uh hostels and hotels that they also manage within the, within the ashram and basically it's kind of like what i'm in, i've never been there what i envision is basically this big village yeah uh, and the ashram is really at the center of that because it is such a big ashram and then there's all these uh things that are sort of attached to the ashram because there's so much money being funneled into it it's allowed for a better way of living so schools universities uh, hostels you know restaurants cafes that sort of stuff but the issue is, is that the water there is not great. The locals will drink it, but Westerners that go there, and there's a lot of Westerners that do go there, mm. they're, they're scared of it. They don't want to drink it because it's so bacteria dominant. So the yeah. goal is, is to go there and basically share, not only for the drinking water, but for the farming system as well. Mm. We can utilize it in both areas, but to share the water and get some of these machines set up in India, and start at the ashram and start from there because then all of a sudden what happens if we start with that one trip and we just get one 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 or two machines even if we just start with one or two machines that's enough to then start that ripple effect outward working with the greater communities and the people of india to provide clean drinking water in nearly everyone's lives and if yeah. if there's like fifteen thousand people coming through every single day well, that message spreads very quickly. And if I'm there for a few months to set this up, I'm more than willing to put my time and effort and energy into doing this because I know how big that ripple effect really is and how many people's lives are actually going to change by, you know, the simple addition of clean drinking water and a product that can help the farmers to move away from any chemical reliance that they have to farm that food for the ashram. And the people they're feeding and it just for me it just set off so many firework ideas and i was just like whoa yeah. really the impact is just is way beyond anything that i could imagine and i can't wait to actually be there and actually on on live like really just living that moment and doing it because it's so clear it's right right there i can feel it you know so now what it's all what i'm doing is just preparing myself with all the right information to go in and then set that up and it, i'll get there and i'll go i'm in for such an intense wild ride but i'm so here for it there's a, uh, there's there's a there is a channel that i i follow and i've been posting their stuff it's called behavior hacks and the last one mimicked exactly like 
what you said about uh, impact and vision, and it was if your if your vision or your team's vision doesn't make you uncomfortable when you think about it, go bigger. So that what you just said makes me feel uncomfortable because <laughs> of the scale. So that means you're, yeah, you're yeah. starting to create worldwide real change if if you can anything that i anything you do any improvement in any section is just net positive like there's no there's no extraction there's no detraction there's anything you can help build education food production anything is is just positive ripples like that is there's not many things that i can think of that have that scale and of true service that's going to be amazing yeah. i'm i can't wait for you to catalog that if that happens oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no it's it's even if it's not in august or right. uh, the trip is roughly planned for august it, it all depends on the guy that i'm working with to go and set up the centropic system but that's it it's just like we have now this plan this idea to go over there, go in, set something like this up, which is going to take a while, but just in regards to the syntropics that are going to be in place and put put there. Uh, and then that alone is is just the catalyst moment for me when I thought, when I heard about this, I was like, I'm 100% in. Within probably about five minutes of hearing about the opportunity, I was like, I'm in. So I just, cause I just knew, I was like, there's, there's a reason why I've always wanted to go to India anyway. And there's a reason why, you know, it's taken so long for me to get there because like, it's never been like the right circumstances and yeah. it's never really been like the right moment. And not to say like, you need to wait for the right moment because there never really is. You just got to try and get there. So for me, when this came up, I was like, it might not work. It might, it might work. I don't know, but I'm whatever way. And when, it, whenever it's happening, I'm there, you know, and I don't like, and I, whenever I've said something like that to myself, you know, in terms of like a few opportunities that have been presented to me in my life, as soon as I've said I'm there and it like, I don't care how it's going to work. And I'm just there. It literally, everything just falls into place all at once. It's like, this thing happens for this reason. That thing happens for this reason okay cool sorted this out now i can just go do that you know and and that's what i want i really just want to be you know august or september rolls around and we're in india we're fog you know it's going to be their winter over there i think mm -hmm. um no it'll be their summer over there so it'll be hot because i'll be every winter for us here in australia Are they above the equator yeah. where you're going or below yeah yeah so the, it'll be their their winter uh, sorry summer so it'll be hot you know, tropical, you know, and it'd just be so great just straight over there in the, in the sort of tropic South India and, and, and just, you know, the people there have that same mentality. Unlike, I suppose we do lack that here a little bit in the West is that sort of, you know, community service sort of regenerative sort of indigenous sort of mindset, you know, and there's that, that there's a lot of these sayings you know, regarding like, you know, our future generations and stuff. I really feel like come from these, these countries because mm. like, I don't know, you've probably heard of that saying it takes a whole, whole village to raise yes. a child. Yes. You know, it's that saying could be 
split up and taken and put into different uh, meanings all across everything. You know, it takes a whole village to sort of do anything over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's this regenerative, I suppose, Indigenous sort of thinking that uh, I love talking about because it's so inspiring to watch what they're doing over there and how, like, how people just come together with a purpose and a meaning. And it's like if you, I think a good example of that was um, Gandhi. Mm. You know, 200 million people. You know, he brought 200 million people together. It's unheard of. Like at a time where social media and media just in general didn't really exist. So it's like how can one single person bring 200 million people together and in all in harmony at the same time? And, And for me, try and do that with two people and get them to work like in harm, like in harmony together today. It's like nearly impossible. And that's what great leaders really do. They bring people together to work together within harmony and have a very similar uh, sort of passion and drive for what that purpose is. And it all comes down to like that, that leader, like Gandhi, he resonated with everybody's why that they have in t- inside of themselves. And then it was actually not really him, but it was the people that then got that out there and shared it because of their why. And their why was so strong that bring the rest of the people together. Yeah. But it was his voice, his message, his why that was so strong and his belief within himself that really ignited that fire. And it was just that that moment in history, like I feel like it's not really talked about enough. Because it's so inspiring. And I think that that for me is a similar approach to how I'm moving forward with what I'm doing. It's just, you know, how do we bring more and more people together to get behind a movement that means something to everybody? Mm-hmm. Get people that are aware who don't really care. And this is the thing we have a big issue with. We have a lot of people that are aware but don't really care. Yeah. How do we get them to care enough to start moving, like actually sharing this and, and caring and wanting to make a difference and leave a better planet behind for the children to come. You know? Yeah. And like we've got you over in the States, you guys, a lot of people in Australia don't really know his name, but Zach Bush. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I know you know him. I know him really well. Uh, you know, and he's getting a lot more popularity and he's got that whole uh, farmer's footprint. Uh, thing that he sort of birthed over there a few years ago and then we've got the sister company here in australia uh, i didn't so know that yeah so we've got a sister company i started about a year ago here in australia's farmers for australia blair was the sort of i suppose like uh creator and founder of that non-for-profit here and uh yeah so i'm, I'm actually currently working with them on on projects and things to wow. sort of spread this message to get that out to our industry farmers and growers as well. So it's like, you know, Zach Bush, you know, I love what he talks about and anybody that hasn't sort of looked at his work, I definitely recommend his work because it's just, even just listening to him talk, like the way he talks, what he shares and what he's, the way his brain works, it inspires me so much because that's the sort of stuff that we need, we all need to be listening to more and more of, you know? Yes. He speaks in archetypes. He speaks yeah. in 
he reforms truths you already know intuitively in your heart, but uses an allopathic and ex-allopathic doctor's reasoning. So he's yeah. basically just, and the people who are most effective at this blend these two, like Alan Watts was instrumental in my my spiritual process, is people who can use humor, compassion, tons of wit. They have that left brain that's able to talk to your analytical and skeptical mind to get it to calm down, but bring that compassion and innate truth out in a different word than you would have used and just put it in mm -hmm. front of you. And like you said, it's kind of just, it bypasses all of your, your normal filters and gives you a great why he talks at every level, like human microbiome, soil microbiome, energy. He was a cancer researcher. Like he's got all of the things and the level of like human thriving he brings it down to is just yes. like, like you said, if he would propose an idea, there would be like, no, your brain wouldn't have to think about it. You'd just be like, I'm game. Yeah. yeah. Like this is yeah. Yeah, just spoke directly in my soul. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. And it's yeah. just like, you know, I have this vision of these people <clears throat> that are in our lives and affecting our lives. We've got them there and it's like, they're still people. Yep. They're still just like, you know, we really, I feel like we can really like some people that do are on that level talking about this sort of stuff. It's like, I, I feel like I've had conversations with people about this where I've gone, yeah, well, I, I'm going to work with that person. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to do a podcast with this person. They're like, but what, how, like what? They just get really confused and they like, aren't you scared? Like, aren't you like fearful of someone's like judgment of this or that? And I'm just like, no, because there's still people too. And for me, I know that the work I'm doing is at a very, well, it's not even a level, but it's at a very similar, uh, I suppose, place in, I suppose, my priorities in my life where I know that the work they're doing for them is that the same. And then right. if two people come together with that same sort of like, okay, I see what you're doing and you see what I'm doing. And, and, and you, you, it's literally like what we're doing right now. We're, we're sharing uh, ideas, stories, information and creating conversation around a topic that we both resonate with and we mm. care about to help others to understand that there's issues happening right now that some people don't even know about right. we have solutions to that and focusing on the solutions is one of the most powerful and effective ways to get people to actually go out do the do some research and then actually act upon that information that they've just learned and that to me so that's why i want to talk to some of these people and mm -hmm. i've gone i've seen myself talking to zach bush you know, and I've now got the right network to then be able to talk to Zach Bush if I want to. And when that time comes, I'm definitely going to take that opportunity up. I know it's not the right time right now because there's still so much learning and so much happening that's, that's happening in the meantime that's getting me to that stage. But I know one day, like, I'll be able to talk to someone like him. I'll be able to talk to, you know, our bigger farmers and people that are actually sort of iconic uh, sort of, figures within the regenerative agricultural space here in Australia. I know, I know I'm already, I'm already speaking to a, quite a lot of them because it's yeah. not many of them here, but it's just like, we do have the ability if we believe in ourselves 
if there's someone that you really want to have a conversation with or or work with or you know whatever it is that you want to do to better off people around you and and the planet then the everything like the universe is actually like the power behind the universe that everything that's there that you can't really see or feel or touch is actually going to do everything in its power to get you there if you have a goal or a vision or something that you put on paper and you go i'm going to do that and you continue to remind yourself of that every single day and you keep going for it like the work that's happening behind the scenes that you don't even know about is real it's happening and it's it's literally it's it's kind of like if you plant a seed there's power behind that seed that you don't even know exists that's telling that seed to grow into the biggest tree you've ever seen in your life like and and if you think about that for a second what that actually means it's like well there's so much energy within that seed it's just like then all of a sudden 20 years later you've got a tree that provides you with so much nutrients and if it's a fruit tree for example mm-hmm. if it's not well maybe it's a tree you plant because you want your kids to climb that tree and then sit under the shade you know you then you 20 years later you're looking at that tree and your kids are doing that like that tree has so much potential and it's the same as us we have so much potential because we come into this world with so much energy and life force and we do there's a there's a philosophy within chinese medicine and and Taoism where it's like until you find your your destiny there's a there's a chinese name i forget what it's called but it's like they talk a lot about destiny and they say until you find that path that destiny um basically you're trying lots of different things your your chi and your energy is sort of not really streamlined and funneled into one one destiny one path and for me i sort of feel as if like that is changing Mm -hmm. and that philosophy that when people in the Taoist sort of world that chinese medicine sort of world when they do talk about that spirit of that's inside of us and when we do find that destiny there's something like this internal fire that just lights up and when you feel it and you know what that actually is and looks like and you're just going for it and you you're so clear on what that path is that vision is that destiny is like that energy that you're given from birth is real and it's like you've you've literally if you harness it right and you do all the right things in terms of having a lifestyle that supports that you can just every day you wake up you're you're on and you're absolutely just so clear on what you need to do what work you need to do and why you've been put here to create that change and some people it takes them 60 years to figure that out yeah but it's okay and you know like it's okay and if you need to start something today and you're in your 60s or 70s and you're listening to this it's like it's okay you know you just go for it because you know even if it's just something small and you're like i need to go do this thing okay go do that thing you're going to get that information that you need to go to the next thing and then the next thing and 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 that that's going to get you where you need to go and allow you know that spirit with inside you to be content and happy with the work you're doing mm. so rather than sitting around and aimlessly mind you know mindlessly just questioning everything you're you're very clear you're very motivated you're driven you're you're wanting to lead a healthy happy life to inspire others rather than to you know force people to change you just live your life 
the best way possible in every aspect. And that inspires change around you. I just yeah, ordered a Mulligan Brothers shirt and it's their their motto is inspire change because they've been oh, yeah. on. Yeah. So I that was absolutely beautiful. I haven't yeah. yet met a farmer who's not also a philosopher and a professional yeah. problem solver. I think <laughs> they come hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And 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 I mean, look, I'm because of my age. Like I've still got such a big journey ahead of me. You know what I mean? I, I still forget about that. I'm like, crap. <laughs> like, I got so many years <laughs> to really work on this stuff. And it's yeah. just like, it, it really is. I'm so grateful and thankful every day that I've started so young because I know when I'm in my forties, like I'm still going to be going, you know, and, and just have, I don't know where I'll be, but I know that I'm going to be, I'm going to still have a very similar amount of passion, drive, and just sort of willingness to help other people change and and get to those stages. And look, I don't know what the world the world's going to look like, but I know if there's enough of us now doing this work, we are all combined, like that collective mind, putting in that that effort to help change the way we all. Think think and feel and do things within this planet with as a people and slowly as more and more people step into that that frequency that you operate at when that's happening is slowly going to continue to go up and it's going to go it's going to rise and we all are going to feel it and actually want to do the work and actually put in the effort to change and also add to that collective regeneration because that's that's really what we need to be focusing on you know, and moving away from the, the uh, I suppose, the reliance on the system that's around us, you know, whether that it be the banking system, the food system, uh, you know, making sure you've got clean drinking water. Well, we, we, we have the solution for that. That's that's sort of a no-brainer now. Um, you know, you know, if you're worried about money, we'll figure out all the ways that you can build money security, financial security. And move away from the system as much as possible within that. If it's food security that you're you're worried about as well, there's ways that you can learn about that, you know, as well. And, and it, it really is what we need. And, and this is why I think that regeneration word now fits into sort of kind of everything. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really is cool to sort of think about that, you know, that regenerative, I suppose, way of living it, it does just sort of it all blends together and it, and i suppose now when i'm thinking about it that's where that holistic lifestyle and way of living that holistic approach um that a lot of people do talk about and i think it kind of holistic living has been around for such a long time mm-hmm. and i really see i think you know that holistic sort of word has sort of dropped off a little bit. It has been replaced with regeneration and regenerative and it's fine. It's just like, I think they mean similar things, but holistic just, I feel is that circle. It's that closed loop that just brings everything together. Um, why regenerating everything that you're doing, soil, health, wellness, water, all of it. And, and, and that, that really for me, you know, when I see that and see other people's work, it just go. It just makes me, you know, so excited for what 
you know, the younger generations, you know, that are actually exposed to this information and from their parents, uh, what they're going to actually do in their lifetime. Because that, to me, if we can get more younger kids passionate about this stuff as they're going through their, their younger years, because like that's something I never really was exposed to. And if I knew and I was getting taught this stuff from a young age, even a younger age, like I really would have been at a totally different level even now at 23, you know? Right. So if kids are, if kids are actually going through the, you know, the yoga, the meditation, learning about farming when they're in, you know, primary school, you know, learning to grow food, you know, store food, all the things they're learning actually how to, you know, become financially literate. They're, they're learning all the necessary things to live a like extremely good life and be of service to others and and so much more like the list is huge like we we have a totally different world in 10 to 15 years yeah quickly you know, even exactly even less and quickly that's right yeah it's it's exponential i often will Asheville, where i live Asheville, north carolina is a bubble <clears throat> and the reason yeah, i live here is because it's a bubble of of organic farming to the point where it almost gets you no longer feel like you're innovative because everyone's doing all the cool things, but then you leave and you're like, oh no, no, there's still so much to do. Like you just leave the bubble of Asheville and you go into the Midwest or just normal farming country. And you're like, right. The vast majority of, of work is to be done in not little pockets, but the key is to make tons of pockets so you're making a pocket around you'll hopefully make a pocket in in the uh the ashram in india there's a pocket here we just get decentralized pockets everywhere yeah. it's happening in arkansas it's happening and there's plenty in missouri even the midwest where you think the most chemical laden soils the massive um just planes and huge machines spraying everything even there organic and regenerative is is becoming a thing so once it starts and once people notice the difference to human health, um, the financial success of their business, everything, uh, it, it doesn't ever go. I've never seen it go back. Like it just makes communities more likely to thrive. So I'm yeah. very grateful to live when I do because it's only going forward. Like we have massive yeah. problems in the world, but they are being slowly solved in small pockets. So just yeah. if you're getting disheartened and you can easily, if you look at the state of everything, like we talk about just new chemicals being invented and um, herbicide resistant weeds and anything large uh, chemical companies are making, just focus the attention close to you. If you mm. focus locally, you can make a huge impact i've never seen such a a massive center of of organic and regenerative growth as where i live and there's plenty of other pockets but it's to the point where i stopped worrying about it because so many other people were speaking a language and that will only yeah. increase that's why i don't really fret anymore because what what can be done is being done by the people who who care and yeah. more and more people will start caring and then it will only skyrocket yeah yeah definitely it's interesting because i feel like you know where you are over there so Asheville, 
Asheville's on the East Coast? It is the western part of North Carolina. So it's next to Tennessee. It's about five hours, six hours uh, inland from the ocean in North Carolina on the East Coast. Yeah. The East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like, you know, Australia, you know, if you can, if you look at Australia and then America, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's really hard to wrap my head around a country that I've never been to. Right. And I, you know, I know quite a bit about America, obviously, because it's like everyone talks about it and it's just like, but if you look at a map and you go, okay, what, what, what's actually there? Yeah. And there's actually so much there that people don't even really realize. They go, well, when, well, what happens if you ask someone, what happened? What do you think of when you think of America? Well, they think of probably New York and Los Angeles and California and Texas and Washington and Canada. And that's probably yep. about it. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe a couple other, you know, countries as well that are there. But when I think about it, I see, well, I see that. But then I've questioned it. I'm going, well, why? do i only see apples because that's what i've been conditioned to see from the movies and the media and all that sort of crap and then i'm going well what's actually behind all of that and then there's actually a huge amount of country and farmland and and so much culture and and then also devastation yeah And, and that's the harsh reality and i think now there's a lot of people waking up to that and going hang on a minute We've had so much, even here in Australia, it's the same sort of story, but it's like we've had so much devastation, you know, from the indigenous that were there to now. Like the devastation is just like, you, you, I can't even comprehend, you know, what took place here, yet alone over there on, on, on a big scale. I mean, we had a very, I don't know what the numbers of our indigenous population were mm. uh, before settlers came here, but. I'd say like it'd be very similar sort of stories that happened here versus over yeah. over there. But my point is why I'm talking about this is because if you look at the culture now, the country now, the farmland now, well, majority would be like the rest of the world, monocropped sort of, you know, grains, corn, soy, you know, cattle, uh, obviously being like one of the biggest mm-hmm. land users um you know i think i think cattle and and then the grain to feed that cattle sort of like at the same sort of levels yep um but but then there's like you said those beacons of light those pockets uh of communities that are actually moving into a regenerative sort of no chemical organic approach and i've seen a shift um in I suppose the people over there, and I don't know how long this has been happening, but there's been a shift, even like, you know, the amount of people that are now talking about, like you should shop over at this. I don't know what your equivalent of a health food store is over there. What, what, what would be the big one is whole foods, the conglomeration that most people will know is whole foods. Yeah. Whole foods. Yeah. And then there's obviously all the independence and stuff, but like even that I've heard about how many more health food shops, Oh, yeah. You know, like Whole Foods that are just popping up now because there's such a big push for that sort of demographic and market over there. Yes. And, it, and it's surprising because I'm just like, hang on a second. What we're conditioned, conditioned and I suppose taught is how unhealthy people are over there in America. And it's like even here in Australia, it's the exact same. We have a huge population of people that are actually just living the generic conventional Australian lifestyle. 
right? So, but so how do we, so the reason I'm, so what I'm, what my point here is, is like, how do we bridge the gap between, I suppose, the conventional way of living, that capsule that everyone lives in, uh, and then move them across? And that's the question that I've been basically thinking about and pondering on for a while is like, how do we bridge the gap from those people to to where I suppose we're sort of operating at? And I sort of looked at that journey. I looked at my own journey. I went, mm-hmm. the time that it takes for some people, it's like overnight yep. that it can happen. Some people it takes like 20 years. Yep. You know, year, like, and it's the same thing when we're talking to farmers about this water. It's like sometimes it just takes you know, a year or six months or whatever it is, however long it needs. But I suppose to do it on a mass scale, like what it does take is exactly what you've said, is like pockets of communities and people that are thinking on a very similar level, that are operating at a very similar frequency, that are actually just attracting it rather than people going out to change uh to change it on more of a like a hard pushy sort of like physical sense mm-hmm. like i remember when i went vegan i'm not vegan now but i went vegan like years and years ago yep. and i was like i need to change the world and, right you know change make everyone vegan and i was act doing the activism thing and all that sort of stuff and i i, I can't like i see that that's not the approach like it's it's good to be an activist and talk and all that sort of stuff. But if you change everything within your internal life that you have control over, change everything that you have control over. And then you just interact in the world as a, like a thriving human being that inspires change in others. Well, that's going to be a greater ripple effect than you going out on the streets and holding up a sign and and promoting something that you care about. Yeah. Spoke right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the approach that I'm sort of now sort of realizing that we all need to adopt. Uh, that is that's I, I the big it. one. The sweeping changes, yeah. So yeah. I went far, I went vegan and farming at the exact same time. I think that happens more frequently than we think. It's kind of the the ideology meshes, and then you're like, oh, maybe this isn't the most sustainable thing. Uh, yeah. But as far as the how do we change it thing incredibly small changes magnified over a large number of people for things they'll actually do one i had one friend i was around microgreens with him and his son was the most picky eater lived on oreos but for some reason he liked the crunch of red acre cabbage microgreens they didn't taste like vegetable and they crunched so that was his thing um my ex-roommate and i my former roommate we just slap together a couple of raised beds right on a main road. The amount of people that stopped and were like, what are you doing? And this, I mean, they had seen that we had raised beds uh, elsewhere, but if you just start building things, people get real curious and then they get addicted to lettuce or they get addicted. Everyone's got their little intro and everyone can do something that they will enjoy fostering. It doesn't have to be everything. Some people like a fruit tree. Some people like a mushroom. Some people will just like growing on their balcony and cutting herbs, but they don't go backwards. So just people making incredibly small steps over like five years and it changes quite rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Definitely. It it, it really... Like it's, I suppose that's, if I look at my journey, I feel like that's exactly what's happened. 
Yeah. It's like, okay, this thing now comes in, this thing comes in now. And now I'm at a point where I've evolved so much. Right. So now anything that now everything that does come in now is me just tweaking and refining and changing. And I suppose, you know, I suppose like not drinking tap water for someone. Yeah. And and moving to another water source, whether that would be spring water or, you know, electrolyzed reduced water, Kangen water, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. For them. Yeah. And when they feel the difference in the, what what happens in their body, it's so clear. Like it's just so clear, especially yeah. if they're drinking tap water. Like I was drinking spring water prior to getting on to Kangen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the difference even between spring water and that, like drinking Kangen was just like huge, even just with drinking spring water. So yeah. I can't imagine who's someone who's drinking tap water and they've been drinking that their whole life. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think I've had anyone buy a machine for me who, who has been doing that. Yeah. I think they've all come from like rainwater or filtering yes. tap water in some way. And they're just looking for the best thing after that. I ask people that question when I, cause I do a ton of water sharing. I just met a, a friend um, who I hadn't seen since high school and yeah. just randomly uh, high school in a completely different state. He just showed yeah. up down here from massage school. That was weird. But I um I invited him over and gave him some water. And if someone isn't used to drinking spring water or something with a lot of minerals in it or just general clean water, I won't give them the 9.5. No. Because it might start a detox process because there's so much molecular hydrogen and they might just not be used to it based off of where they're coming from. Now, if they have some sort of filtration fine. But yeah, if they're coming from tap water, I'll give them like an 8.5, just a lower dose to be like, let's see yeah. how you feel with this. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, if you put someone on like a juice cleanse after going from fast food, yeah. it's going to be an interesting couple of days. <laughs> Their body is going to process yeah. a lot of things very quickly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So same, same exact thing. Yeah. It's uh meeting people at their, where they're at is, is imperative. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I feel as if that's something we, we, I see a lot of people do miss. Even myself, when I first started uh, doing what I'm doing now and really going on this journey, is that I was missing that key component, and I yeah. wasn't seeing where that person was actually at in their life, and then actually speaking to that and relating to that, because I was just too excited and I was getting too caught up in the excitement yeah. of what there is here and the potential here. And, and now it's like, okay, that's settled a bit. Uh, I mean, I'm not rushing anymore because I know that this, this is my life. I have, so 23 now, you know, I'm hoping that giving the world circumstances and my health, you know, I live to, you know, over a hundred, I've got the genes. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> but like, you know, 70 something years of just, you know, dedication <laughs> uh, to this journey. And, you know, who's a, that's a that's a thing actually. A friend of mine, uh, a lot of people know him here in Australia. His name is Mason Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he created Super Feast. It's a mushroom like medicinal mushroom brand uh, that basically you can have like lion's mane and reishi and stuff like that. Anyway, he he actually talks about this quite a bit, and it for me it's always stuck because it's so true. But it's that the concept of being like this 
rocking, just thriving like elder in your 80s and 90s. And if you get to your 100s, great, your 100s. And I think that concept is something that's always stuck. And that's what I want to be doing. I want to be this elder in my old years. That's still like my great grandpa. He's 96, uh, 94. He's still in the garden every day. Yeah. That's why he's 94 and able to do that. Yeah. 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 That's it. And he's connecting his earth. He's growing his own food. You know, he's getting a lot slower. Like he's definitely, you know, the last sort of year, two years, he's definitely like, notice a huge shift uh i only just saw him a few weeks ago for the first time in about four years actually so but uh yeah and i you know i look at him and i look at his dad uh his dad lived to no this is brother sorry my great uncle Mm -hmm. his his brother lived to 106 and uh his his thing was fasting yeah oh yeah yeah and uh, eating his own food and fasting, and that was his that was his thing. And there's a lot of uh, scientific evidence now oh, to yeah. back up, like you know, the benefits of fasting and growing your own food and drinking high quality water. There's a there's a lot of stuff out there. It's my other life. It's the that's the primal health coach. We absolutely love intermittent fasting. Yeah, that's it. And and you know, I've seen that within my family, and I've gone, well, there's no reason that I can't do that too. And and B still sharp like is my great grandpa like he is so sharp still his mind is so clear uh like it's so on and you wouldn't know that he's 94 like obviously physically yes but in his mind he's not 94 you know he's probably still in his 20s or 30s and still just like so clear that's a gift you know, and that and that's so rare to see our elderly people with such clear minds yeah. and that to me, by by drinking this water, living a certain way of lifestyle, promoting these things, and then being in your your elderly years and being a rocking leader, you know, a rocking elder for your community, you're able to then pass on that that message to the children, the grandchildren, and that message is passed on. That legacy is passed on because the last thing I want to be you know, in, in my eighties and nineties, is this shriveled up old broom that's right. not able to do anything, yeah. you know, and that, that stuck with me when I, when I heard Mason talk about that, like a few years ago, I was just like, that's so true because we all want to be thriving in our, in our elderly for, you know, and that's ideal. Uh, but actually how do you create the longevity in your lifestyle? And, and, and this is a part of the reason that, this water even from you and myself has come into our lives because we're able to, we have things now and techniques and tools to share with people to help them, you know, on the agricultural side, all the way Mm -hmm. down to the health and wellness side to get them. So they are in the eighties and nineties as well, alongside us, you know, thriving as well. And, you know, I feel as if that's going to be a huge shift when, even your generation, my generation, who are on that level, are in their sort of 70s, in their elderly years, who have then all of this life experience, doing all this sort of health and wellness, sort of coaching, mentoring, you know, regenerative farming, this younger generation, you know, in their 20s to 30s, now, right now, when they are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, talking to the children and the grandchildren, 
that I think is going to be a big shift. Yeah. Because there's more people adopting that way of thinking now. Like I think more than ever, more and more people are sort of starting to become aware of that. And we're starting to see a huge influx of people who are in that space coming in, getting behind it, believing in it, and just noticing that, well, this works. And there's a lot of debate on, you know, which diet you should do, you know, vegan, this, that. But that doesn't really matter. If you don't, you know, you shouldn't really care too much about if you're vegan or this or put a label on it. It's like, you know, if you look, go and look at an animal nature, they're not going to, you know, turn around and say, I'm vegan. You know, it's just not what's going to happen. But if you're figuring out, there's a book written actually by Paul Check. if you know mm-hmm. who Paul Check is. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's how to eat well, how to move and eat well, I think yes. it's called. And um, I haven't actually got it, but my friends have been reading. I've been reading like bits of it when I've been at my friends' houses. And honestly, the book is just like insane. And Paul's work is, if you haven't looked at Paul's work, it's just like. It's yeah, great. Check Institute is pretty pretty spectacular i have another a friend who um who went through his program and we basically do all the same things it's real close to primal it's the same philosophy it's oh really yeah i i just like the term human operating human os it's just what makes your vessel what makes your genes click on like we have the embodied regeneration systems within us fasting triggers them especially water fasting, mineral triggers them, uh, acute stress triggers them, sunlight. If you live the way we were designed to live and have evolved living uh, whole foods, regardless of what dietary pattern you fall under, you get outside, especially if you're growing your own food. Yeah, it's going to be a much smoother ride and you'll have hopefully much better quality of life over longevity. Yeah, it's... It's really simple. It's just very difficult given the amount of stimulation, bombardment, influence we have from from modern society. Convenience is really hard to get around sometimes. So we it, it, everything is is very tempting, and there's a uh, unnatural light, the screen time. There's chronic stress everywhere. There's contaminants everywhere. But if the other side isn't hard to get to. It just you have to make a concerted effort to do it. But I'm I'm with you. There's a huge boom in people paying attention. I hear more and more different institutes popping up. Different. Um, I'm actually getting sick of the amount of wellness and and healing retreats in Asheville. But that's just because I'm in Asheville. But it's yeah. a good thing all around. People are paying attention to how they feel given given tinkering with all these built-in regeneration systems I, I love seeing it yeah yeah, yeah. You know, we we have that sort of influx of information coming in and even here here where i am same thing we have such you know so many uh like meditation retreats yeah. this retreat health retreat wellness retreat this like you know yoga center it's like everywhere here and it's it's so great because when you when I actually look at the the population that is here, we've had a lot of people from the cities down south, so Sydney, Melbourne, all move up to the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, and basically there's been a big influx of people coming and buy property, and then what happened because of that is all of those people come and buy land and property 
or the market's gone up. That's a whole other story. Yep. But then those people wanted to grow food, but they have no idea. Yep. Not farm. Right. So then what happened was that people that I'm networked with, we just saw all of these sort of people with money come in and say, Hey, I want to do something. Can you help me? So then all we're, all of a sudden we're out there setting up Syntropics and regenerative yep. farm properties and then teaching them how to actually do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, because of their network and their families, their friends, it's more it's influencing them into the mainstream society and then getting that out there. Or I think, I think with the addition of like Paul Stammen's work, you know, mm -hmm. Zach Bush, you know, Paul check, you know, some of these people that, you know, it's getting into mainstream. Yes. You know, uh, and the idea of this health and wellness, this regenerative approach, it's like the voice is being heard now and we, we are starting to see a shift you know i don't know how long it's going to take until we do see like a, a mass sort of adoption of this but even here in australia we just had uh on a, on a side note like we just had like mdma and uh psilocybin approved for clinical um oh, clinical wow. use yeah in psychology setting you've heard of maps here m-a-p-s yeah yeah so similar so yeah they're thankfully information travels very quickly so what happens is no longer isolated if it happens in one place especially the western world then it only takes one proof of concept for another behemoth to yeah or regulators to be like okay maybe this is a thing now yeah, yeah. i think i think within five years we won't um it won't be the same world that we're living in for better or for worse but i think it's going to happen quicker and quicker and quicker. I think we hit an inflection point um, a couple of years ago where I'm people who I talk to, just friends who don't pay attention to any of this, will ask me questions and they're a good barometer for what's making it in the mainstream. Well, they'll just be like, hey, what about this like time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting thing? Or if someone mentions like red light therapy or, oh, is it bad for me to have blue lights on? I'd be like, okay, this is what's hitting mainstream. This is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah these are all good, good things. Right? Yeah, well, like even the simple thing of like EMF. Oh, yeah. You know, in your homes. And yeah. or even like another simple thing is it's like, you know, uh, something that is like, it's like simple household things that people can change, like the small steps, like you are saying before. Like that's why having a machine is so good in your home, yeah. even for the, the individual. And this is why, you know, re when I created Restructured Water Regeneration, it was like, for me, that's what it was all about. Yeah. I was like, I want to work with, you know, some of the biggest farmers and, you know, producers from small to large scale, but then there's the businesses yeah. that use different chemicals and the things like that, where they're by having a product like uh, an ionizer can really make a difference for them. But then the well, just the everyday folk and, you know, the simple steps that you can take within the home from, you know, the EMF to the, you know, the proper like cookware. So you're not using Teflon right. cookware. Right. You know, you know, plastics, you know, not heating things up in plastic, using glass or stainless steel, uh, you know, even just all of your products, you know, your body products that you normally use, it's full of chemicals, you get rid of them, you know, swim in the lakes more, swim in the oceans more, get a shower filter, you know, just the simple things every single day that you can be doing. Uh, that really just makes a huge difference. And when you start going down the rabbit hole of it all, 
because uh, it is a bit of a rabbit hole. It is. You just get, yeah. So you get it's actually quite overwhelming, and that's yeah. why those simple switches slowly, because it can be quite expensive if you try to do it overnight. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you try to, I know people that have gone and they found out and they went down the rabbit hole. The next day, they've gone in, they've thrown everything out. Yeah, they're like oh, hang yeah. on, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, because they they don't have they're not left with anything. They have to go back in and you know just slowly bit by bit, maybe room by room make it chemical free or the best version of that room possible to in your in your house or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do so then it's is like sort of what's the word it's like it's as low toxic as possible zero yes. toxic chemicals uh or, or whatever the goal that you're looking for and you know that that stuff is what like really inspired me to create a vessel that I can use and share this information with because, you know, people are listening, people are looking for this information and it's like, well, what can we actually do every single day? Well, you know, have a bit of a read about certain things, go in, actually action it, execute the thing and then change it. Yeah. And, and within your own life, experience it. And then if it resonates with you and you want to share it with your family, we'll share it with your family first, then your friends and then the greater community and everybody does the same thing, well, then that ripple effect goes out into thousands, millions, you know, millions of people very quickly as well. Like here in Australia, I actually got updated on our population here. We've got like 25 million people now mm -hmm. in Australia. I always thought it was like 22, 21, something like that. But then someone said to me the other day, it's like going up to 25. I was like... But in comparison to other countries, it's so small. I was going to say Mexico City has more people than the entire landmass of Australia. That's hilarious. Yeah, I know. And it's like even Germany or something or one of those European countries has way more people than we do here. And it's it's crazy to me to think that because we have so much land here. But like everyone's sort of con congregated in very small spaces like the rest of the world. Um, but we do have so much land here where people can spread out and go off grid and, you know, regenerate land and, and, and start, you know, food preservation and making and producing everything and not relying on the system. And that's, that's a goal. I think that we all should have on some level, whether that's within a village or just within our internal family. And, yeah. and it's that something restructured water generation for me within that model, within my vessel is this village mindset that community mindset uh, I, I i sort of moved away from the reason i used village as the word is because i moved away from using community because again it's like a pop word a bit like regeneration yeah, it's like, I know. it got really popular and i was like oh, what's another word for community oh the village <laughs> and the village was what i is what i'm looking to create and and that's where there's this i suppose this uh really big passion around people uh and because we need the people yeah. to to do these things it's like the people are, are what the center of it all really is there's too many skills needed there's too many pieces of expertise i mean it takes a lot to to run every like we don't necessarily need to go back to everyone farmsteading but to yeah. have the level of like civilization and and uh, ease of use that we're used to while eliminating all of the the harsh practices that mm -hmm. that industrial society has given us 
takes a lot of people and a lot of skill and a lot of time. So it, it does yep. take an equal amount of people with very specialized knowledge. Be nice if everyone grew a little food that way it didn't have to fall on any, any one person, but yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of people to make things run smooth. I think 150 is the sweet spot. That's Dunbar's number. It's the amount of people who you can actually know. I think, Yeah, I think that's a village size. Yeah. yeah. There you go. 150. That's a good, it's a good number. Yeah. Great. Something that just came to mind. I was listening to this. I think Napoleon, do you know Napoleon Hill, the author? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he, he actually spoke about this in his book, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. But um, it was this sort of idea. If you take a second to just sit and think about, you know, the average breakfast, I suppose, that the, the normal person would eat, uh, whether it be here in Australia or in America. So maybe that looks like, uh, some toast, some eggs, some bacon, yeah. tomatoes, maybe some other produce, butter, and maybe some milk or something. You definitely got a British breakfast there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. Or I don't know, like the American breakfast now. To- I don't know. Toast, what. eggs is pretty standard, I would say, across. Toast, across eggs, everywhere. maybe cereal. So it's either heavy grains or toast and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty standard. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty standard. Yeah. But if you say you have that breakfast a plate in front of you eggs bacon uh you know tomatoes butter you know maybe a sausage or something i don't know you got something like that on your plate you take a second to actually go where did all this actually come from oh yeah and how many how many people did it actually take to get all of this food to my plate if you didn't do any of it yourself and then you start to go okay then you ask more questions like Okay, well, what, how much money did it actually take for that this standard breakfast, which really didn't cost me that much, to actually get here? And then you look at transport, fuel, machinery, processing machinery, packaging, marketing, advertising, all of the things. It's actually that that breakfast, this is a huge thing for me to actually think about the other day, but it was just like that normal breakfast, if you didn't really do much of it yourself, it was actually probably billions of dollars of industry yeah. stuff that's actually happening behind that standard breakfast that everybody's eating every day. Billions of dollars. Yeah. Because I'm talking, yeah, transport, heavy machinery, trucks, fuel, marketing, branding, advertising, all of it. And and, and it's just to get you your your everyday breakfast. Yes. And it's actually mind-blowing. Because then you've got salaries, wage, you know, wages for the people the list is just goes on like you yeah. can break it down you could probably put it into uh like a production chart break it all down and the number would just be probably crazy this is terrifying to think about in the us it's called the just in time delivery system and it basically means that in 3 days all of that breaks down because there are so many moving pieces if any one of those huge industries that you mentioned fails yeah. 3 days to ripple until you don't have it like it is such a finely tuned um almost luck based machine that it works which is what should inspire people to start growing a little bit of their food because it is so fragile and a miracle that that shows up and is available almost uninterrupted with with minor minor hiccups and everyone notices the minor hiccups 
like a bread shortage or milk, you know, the, the big things or vegetables being out at Walmart was or something egg, like that. Is an egg, egg shortage or something? That's like that. over, thankfully, um, or at least where I am. But that there was a huge, there were a bunch of egg processing facilities that went up in, in fire over here. It yeah. wasn't just eggs. <laughs> it was literally everything. It was getting a little, I mean, it's extremely suspicious. And I, anyone paying attention doesn't think it's coincidence over here, but hundreds of of food processing facilities miraculously catching on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been watching, I've been watching from a distance. Uh-huh. And it's, actually, it's crazy. That's why I live I'm around like, the farmers. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is, I'm scratching my head, like looking at it. I'm just, what is going on? You know, like obviously the chemical leaks, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like that's a whole nother story. And that's like, I, I really actually, I, I'm actually curious to know, we haven't, we haven't actually spoken about this, but now that, that I actually brought that up, what do you think is the effect that these chemical exposures and leaks are actually going to have on the farmers in, in the areas? We're Where seeing them already. <clears throat> yeah. um, vinyl chloride well, I mean, I specifically. Look, the the yeah, Ohio well, River look, Valley contaminates well, everything every- in the southeast and it runs into the Mississippi. So yeah. any of the southern U.S., down from the Ohio River Valley has at least five major, not new, but new to those water systems contaminants in them. I think a couple of them are degradable and there's some mushrooms that will either break down or bioaccumulate them. I don't know in that scale though. And it wasn't just Ohio. It was in Texas. It was in the Carolinas. They were all over the place. So it is, they are 100% in the water supply. I'm sure nature has a way to break them down slowly, as in they're going to persist for a while. But I thought that about glyphosate, and it persists. Nothing breaks it down. So well, the we term, gave a, it's like forever chemical. I know. Yeah, PFOAs and um, yeah. C8 and all that. We gave a number, the Appalachian Water Collective, <clears throat> my other group, gave a um, a presentation after the first explosion happened with like, these aren't going away anytime soon look for these certifications on your water filters to make sure you're getting this level of contaminant out. That was NSF 401. So that's the industrial new and emerging contaminants certification that covered vinyl chloride and ethyl butyrate and, and all those fun ones that, that are now in our water systems. We're seeing them here because the Ohio river basin feeds into the Tennessee river Valley, which we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like that to me is like, why is no one like i know people are talking about it obviously because it's in your face and it's kind of like you can't ignore it but why is it not more sort of spoken about and why are people not fully i suppose it's hard to say because i don't know who's out there you know basically trying to stop this from happening and to try and because the issue now is like well there's all like all of these chemicals being exposed, you know, to the farmers, the farmlands, the rivers, the people. Yeah. But it's like, how, you know, I almost like think about this as like that. It's almost like you're under attack from your like from basically you're under attack from yourself within yeah. the within the within the country. And it's like when I was first looking into it all a few months ago, I was just sort of really shocked. Because I've seen stuff like this happen before, 
but it's only being on like sort of odd occasions. Yeah. And it wasn't so close together. But then all of a sudden this year, it's just been like one thing after the next. It's an onslaught. Yeah. It onslaught. That's why it was not like, I don't know if anyone thought they were coincidences. It was, it was in such a short period of time on top of all of the other food facility destructions. This year has definitely been like for anyone paying attention, like a hurry up and, and build parallel systems year. <laughs> yeah. Because it, I mean, the other systems are already so fragile. Our, our systems are pretty fragile and they work well, um, but they're still pretty fragile. So if you, if you were looking for a reason to start taking any of your health under your own control, water, food, um, mm. spirituality, literally any facet of your, your health, this is a really good year for that. If you hadn't started our, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I see yeah. that. I yeah. see that. And I feel, I feel that's it. It's just like, we, what I see is happening is just this push now for the people that in those areas to go, okay, we need to act. We need to start thinking about these things too. Cause I think it's going to make it very difficult if there is contaminated land and soil to, to, to even do anything. Um, you know, glyphosate is a different story. Yeah, it is you know, on its own, but then you have these huge chemical leaks that feed into the, you know, to the basins, the water basins and the yep. rivers. And I just really get concerned because, you know, a lot of farmland is is also feeding off those rivers and irrigating their crop and everything into the soil. And then that's going into the, the water table. It's going, it's circulating, it's going to the atmosphere, rain, everywhere, right? Yep. Uh, it makes me then go, well, how do we move into a regenerative way of thinking and living and, and farming and, and agriculture and do that when we've got these huge, you know, chemical uh, exposure, exposures and leaks. And like right now here in Australia, we don't really have that happening. Yeah. So it's a total different, like you've got a total different chessboard to 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 us right now in the way that you, you have because you've got, well, obviously a huge difference in population of people over there but also then all this other stuff that's going on and look it might start happening here like i don't know like if it does i'll be i'm going to be like very like suspicious and watching like what is actually happening um but it's also like we don't have a river that just runs through everything here (laughs) so it's, it's a little bit different like they couldn't really pull off something like that here in australia i don't think but you never you never really know like it's just sort of i get very just like, yeah you know watching what's happening who's the company behind this you know just really curious about like why is it actually taking place in the first place right. and, and why is the media not really actually covering it all that sort of stuff but to your, to your question i think the only solution that i because I can get caught in fear porn myself, just seeing all these and the same questions will arise in my, my brain. Just like, I don't know if I have a solution for this. The solution I usually come back to is biodiversity Yeah, because for every thing that we've been able to create other than, so I haven't found one about glyphosate yet, but for the most part, microbes are highly adaptive and specialized and are real good at transmuting things that we don't know that they can transmute. So yeah. oil, 
plastics, things that we don't think break down easily, there's usually something that'll adapt to break it down. So the answer to any of those seemingly catastrophic contamination problems is more biodiversity. Stack the odds in your favor. Just surround yourself with as much life as possible. As least, some people would say, go as sterile as possible, go inside collapse everything, have total control. But I think it's the op. That's not scalable. I think the opposite biodiversity is way more scalable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, that is exactly what, what I've seen people talk about. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to sort of ask that question because we, alongside with a solution like electrolyzed reduced water, we can, mm-hmm. we can do a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, within nature within what we do there is no one solution for everything and that's, that's that's why like you know dieting and certain things never really work because everybody said you need to diet you need to do this and it needs everybody needs to do it. everybody has such a different body type just yeah. just doesn't work and it's the same for farming and agriculture it's like you know i really feel is at that biodiversity point even though it's kind of like too obvious so no yeah. one's like it's kind of like no one really wants to address it so because it is too obvious and no one's really thinking about it but it's like it's actually kind of the thing that everybody needs yeah uh, especially monocropped agriculture definitely needs more biodiversity like that's a no-brainer but it's you know that's going to take a long time for something like a big you know corn yeah, well, farm to, tra- to yeah. transition into to a different way of farming but what I see, if you've got small farmers that are conventional or not conventional, but like smaller farmers, small to medium scale farms that are using solutions like electrolyzed reduced water, biodiversity, you know, a more of a regenerative approach, mm-hmm. and then starting to play around with, you know, like if you, for example, Paul Stamets talks about you know they're they're doing trials now with mycelium and how mycelium and certain fungus can consume a lot of these harsh yeah you know, or bioaccumulate them and pull them out of the the soils yeah in a storm yeah exactly yeah that's yeah. it and I'm just like that's the stuff you know like that's the stuff that if we have certain things in place when something like this happens and people yeah. are aware of it and know how to actually address it and then put it into action, then maybe, only maybe then, we actually have, you know, a better chance of actually still being able to do yes. what we do within yes. our areas. Yeah. and no, no matter if that water source is contaminated or not. And these problems aren't going to stop. So the, yeah. the people who will be most affected and who are most vulnerable are the monocrops because they have no natural defenses. So the solutions, as I see it, is always employ all nature Mm. to detox itself now even if you don't need to because Mm. even if you don't understand the contaminants or see anything worse happening like mushrooms can bioaccumulate radioactive isotopes like cesium even so Mm. for anything into the future have all of those systems working at your disposal even if they're overkill there's no downside other than it's a little more complex and it takes a little more time but I mean, we got a, a f- quite a few years to go. So wouldn't yeah. you rather have those systems in place now so you don't yeah. have to worry about it? You don't need to yeah. know all the mechanisms, right? We don't need to know all of the bioaccumulation or or all of the 
um, how long it takes things half-life to degrade, it doesn't necessarily matter. We know that it's possible. So we mm -hmm. might as well employ all of those strategies now. Yeah. Because they're needed yeah. now. Yeah, well, 100%, I agree. And, and, and I mean, we once we have more people, you know, also doing that, putting that into action, showing that that's what works. I mean, and we've got farmers here doing that as well already um and that's where the regenerative sort of in the industrial ag industry that's where the regenerative guys have come in and we've got guys doing uh rotational rotational mm -hmm. grazing but also succession farming uh i think yeah it's all it's all like uh what do they call it there's another name for it Nat it's just natural succession yeah uh, farming yeah. basically if you i forget the guy that actually created that but either way we we've got guys here that are showing that 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 works showing that if they're doing the right things you know by implementing it into their practices even on small steps again small things to start with and then building it up yeah then all of a sudden the diversity that just nature just builds up anyway you know so if you've got cattle and you're doing rotational grazing in the right way with cattle or cows or whatever cattle that you want to you want to actually have on your land nature the seeds that are stored in the soil that actually then come up and that are allowed to come up because the time is right for them the diversity that then nature actually provides you with yep. is actually just mind-blowing to watch that actually start to happen in a on a pasture of land and you're just sort of looking at it you hang on a second by just mixing up the way that the cattle are moved around the property and then doing a few biodynamic preparations around the around the property as well, adding a bit more sort of, you know, just sort of seed into the mix, you know, and, and then you just sort of watch it and just watch the whole landscape just, you know, sequester so much more carbon, you know, actually able to absorb so much more moisture. And then you've got such a beautiful mix of like a bacteria sort of mycelium fungal dominant soil mm -hmm. that you could go in and just put your hand, your hand into it and dig up, you yeah. know, soil. And it's just so rich and dark and full of carbon and life. And, it, and it's actually mind-blowing how quickly that can take place. Like within the year of you starting to do that, you can see a significant difference from when you started. Yeah, regeneration does happen quickly if it's allowed to happen. It, yeah. Kind of like it was programmed that way. Yeah, if we get yeah. out of the way or maybe add in a couple of vital inputs to help it, it does happen surprisingly quickly shockingly whenever you don't aren't expecting it which is usually where people get inspired and transition their their current practices where they're like i thought this was going to take a decade this takes yeah. a year okay i'm yeah. game yeah 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 that's it when you see the the time differences when you go oh yeah you think it's going to take a lot longer and it's like i i, I actually feel like that maybe comes from this idea of like the the end goal what they're what they may be thinking about is that that end goal of seeing a system or a certain piece of land at the end goal and that being five years yeah you know like having a food forest okay well the full succession of a food forest usually is five to ten years right. usually five to seven years is when i see food forests really just become their own living mm -hmm. sort of thing and there's very little management at all like five percent 
of your time every year probably goes into actually putting time into managing the system. But the first few years, that first sort of, you know, that first year that you go and set up a food forest or syntropic tree row system, you know, the difference just even in six months from when you started, like, and I've sort of done this over a few, a few of the systems I've set up. I've gone in there six months later from when we planted it. You couldn't even get a, a shovel into the soil yeah. in some, some of the spots. And then just in six months, the difference, you know, you dig up, just dig like, you know, sort of 15 centimeters down with your hand, open it up. And it's just full of life. And every every hand, every time you dig wherever you go within the system, there's usually 10 worms, you know, 15 worms. And it's just like you do it right from the start. And it just the difference in a year is just compared to when you start, it's just crazy. And, and if that doesn't inspire you to keep going and, and help others to understand that that's the power that you're working with in nature nature and you let nature really do its thing like you said get out of the way it's just like it is kind of like a miracle yeah in a way. yeah you know? and it, it really is that just like oh my gosh we can really do things when we work with nature at such a fast rate uh and you, you just watch it explode and it's just it's amazing yeah our timelines are made up that the yeah. time almost doesn't exist when you're working yeah. with those forces yeah yeah. Um, I am running short on time. Um, could you let people know where to find you if you're taking mm -hmm. any any snapshots, any social media, website, or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the main two places you can find me is just my personal Instagram. So AJ Olson, oh, AJ underscore Olson one. Uh, and then restructured water regeneration. So I think it's uh, RWR underscore restructured water regeneration is is the Instagram handle. But if you search up restructured water regeneration, yeah. it'll come up. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. 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 We're they're the main, to do a they're the main two. two places. Yeah. This yeah. We can talk forever about all of this. Yeah. So we're going to have to do another one. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was awesome. Always, uh, anything you want to would you like to leave people with anything in closing? Um, I feel as if like, if you can do one simple thing today, like just focus on improving your immediate life, your family's life, whatever that thing is just to, to help your just everyday living. Cause if you feel better within yourself, like this is something that my mind when I when I shifted my mindset around this, if you can do one thing to improve your health, your wealth, just in every aspect of your life, you're gonna feel better for it, and that feeling is just gonna be enough for you to go out and help others also feel that. So if you can focus on making yourself feel better every single day, and thriving and just being at that level of just optimal health and living, then you naturally want to be your service and help people because you're just feeling so great. And, you, and when you see people not in that level on that state, it actually, like I see it now in myself and I go, that person's not doing that. I can't really change them, but I can be in their life to inspire change. Yeah. And that is one simple thing you can do. It's just really focus on 
what there is within your life that you could change that's going to make you feel better. So whether that'll be switching your water and, and starting to drink like high quality drinking water or switching your food and lifestyle up so you're eating a lot more whole foods or just focusing on like your mindset around life. Like it, it, there can be such simple things to really just make a big impact or regarding agriculture and farming and growing food, you know, start growing some microgreens, start growing some herbs, connecting in with nature, getting barefoot on the earth, like something like that, which connects you back to nature, brings you back to that food connection, farm to plate, and you just start to feel it. And people, when you, when you really do feel that, that, that does make a difference. And you, when you share it with someone else and you're like, Hey, I just baked this loaf of sourdough bread from like wheat. My brother grew from this area or something, you know, people just go, Whoa, like, what do you mean? Like, it's just that the excitement and the stoke just literally is so real. And it's, it's like innate it's within us to get hyped about like food and healthy living. And it's just, it's actually programmed in us in a way. Uh, It's in our nature to to live certain ways within nature and it's nature is bringing us back and, and that is why like i even started restructured water generation and and it's why we're here chatting now you know it, it's because nature is bringing us back and wanting us to share this message with the rest of the world you know so i don't know how many people are going to listen to this conversation but if you stay to the end I, I really yeah this was a long it. one but it was a good it's one, a long one. And, uh, yeah yeah it's a call to return to origin so i yeah i really yeah. appreciate your time aj no right. thank and, you for uh, your time as well brother oh yeah we'll um we'll post any any projects that we're we're doing and if anyone got inspired reach out to either one of us we can we, we just love to talk about it as I do, yeah. especially I just love talking about people getting ideas. So yeah, we are here for the the long game. Yeah. Thanks AJ. Absolutely. No worries, brother. I appreciate your time. Eh? Thanks for sticking through to the end. Everyone There's a little bit of a long one, but whenever you meet someone who shares so much passion in common with you for just rebuilding life support systems, who sees that vision for what it could be in, in a decade, if you just keep moving, it's hard to stop. So we touched on water filtration, on ionization, on centropics, agroforestry, permaculture, microgreens, human health, mindset, all of that. If you'd like any more information on how to transform your water, what all of our water groups utilize for filtration and ionization and everything that you can do with those machines, that'll be below. If you'd like to connect with myself or AJ, our social media and emails will be below as well. And we're in this for the long game. So we thank you for coming along for the ride.